In 1 John 5, the uh, fourth verse says this, 1 John 5, 4. It says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. Again, how many in here are born of God? So what does that make you? A world overcomer. Say it out loud, I am born of God. I am a world overcomer. Is that right? Then you, you need to act like one then, don't you? Amen. You are a world overcomer. Not a poor, pitiful, pathetic, overcome one, but an overcomer. Amen. More than a conqueror, a world overcomer. Praise God. Now that's really something to shout about when you link this with, particularly with other scriptures. Uh, just, just a few pages over here in the New Testament, you get to the book of Revelation, and he begins to tell us what is in store for those who overcome. Remember reading about that? I'm telling you, if you had not read it recently, go read it again and get ready to shout. Because if you are a world overcomer, there are several things that are promised to you. You have a very, very bright future. Amen. Say it again, I am, I am. a world overcomer. Well, exactly how do you do this overcoming of the world? Exactly what is it that enables you to do that? He goes on immediately to tell us. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Praise God, this is the victory. What's the victory? This is the victory. Even our faith. You are a world overcomer, and the way that you overcome the world, and when we say overcome the world, we're talking about all the things that are in the world that can come against you and cause you problems. All the things that are in the world that can create, you know, uh, situations for you to have to overcome. But the issue is no matter what comes against you, you can overcome it. You are born of God, and you can overcome it. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. But the way that you overcome it is by means of your faith. Your faith. Back up with me to Mark 5. And let's see a woman who encountered a problem in the world. And she overcame it. And Jesus told her exactly how she did it. In Mark 5, if you remember, there's the story of the woman that had the issue of blood for 12 years. She suffered many things with many physicians. She spent all that she had. She was nothing better, but rather grew worse. But thank God one day she heard about Jesus. And then she came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. Glory to God. She touched. And she was made whole. The Bible said that uh, immediately virtue or power. Uh, came out of Jesus and went into her and she felt and knew in her body that she was healed of that, that plague. Jesus stopped and said, Who touched me? The, the disciples said, Lord, uh, people have touched you on every side. The multitude throngs you. And Why do you say, Who touched me? He said, Somebody touched me. It's a touch of a, a different kind he's talking about here. And finally the Bible said the woman came and fell down before him and told him the truth and what she did. And Jesus in verse 34 
looked at her and he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Daughter, your faith has made you whole. I tell you, I like that phrase. Praise God, I'm telling you that. That'll do something for your heart. If you got a problem and you don't know what to do, listen to what Jesus told the woman. Listen. Your faith has made you whole. Now, as we said, you know, uh, there, there are many people, if they had been writing that, the way they think and the way they preach, they'd have said it different than what Jesus did. They'd have said, daughter, God just decided to heal you. And God has healed you. They'd have said, daughter, just because of the sovereignty of God, you've been made whole. Daughter, you touched and your touch made you whole. Daughter, uh, my power has made you whole. Daughter, my faith has made you whole. Daughter, a bunch of things people might think to say, but that's not what Jesus said. Where did Jesus put the emphasis? On her faith. Amen. Now, we, we, we need to review just a little bit for the benefit of those of you that have not been with us and for the benefit of those of you that have. Because, you, you know, you, you get things by repetition, don't you? Faith comes by hearing and that's it. Now, hearing and hearing. You hear it and then you hear it again. Repetition is a, a big key to getting revelation. Uh, we, we, we posed two questions and proceeded to answer them. Number one question in talking about healing, we asked this question. Can God and does God heal human bodies? Can God and does God heal? Well, if you, if you don't believe that, you know, I'm surprised that you're here. If you don't, in the first place, if you don't believe that, uh, but I'm glad you're here if you don't believe it because maybe you become convinced otherwise while you're here. Uh, but if you don't believe that God can and does heal human bodies by divine power, then you just simply don't believe the Bible. Because the Bible is full of instances where people were said to have been healed by God. Isn't that right? Jesus' ministry is full of cases. And I mean, you see cases in the Old Testament. You, you see situations in the New Testament where people were healed by divine power. So to say that you don't believe that God heals, that God really uh, intervenes into the life of an individual and by His power causes their body to be healed and restored, if you say that you don't believe that, then you just said that you don't believe the Bible which is a real problem. If you don't believe the Bible, then you're, in, you're in, in, a, in a real problem because it's hard for even God to help you if you don't believe the Bible. And I mean that, that exactly the way I said it. I mean, you know, in many situations, even, even the Lord can't help you if you won't believe His Word and won't accept what He said. But uh, how many are convinced that God can, God has, God can, God does heal? Do you believe that? I want to see it. Wave your hand. I want, I want, you believe it. Amen? <laughs> All right. Good. We can move along now. Uh, but the second question that we asked is this. If it's true that God can heal, God has healed, God does heal, uh, and we read in the Bible where people have been healed, uh, we hear testimonies of people that were healed, here's the next question. Why are some healed and some are not? Granting and saying, well, you know, uh, God heals. Okay, 
but we, we realize that not everybody is healed. Why are some healed and some are not? This is the question we need to answer. Well, uh, masses of people in Christian circles today have come to this conclusion. They said that the determining factor in whether some are healed or some are not is the will of God. That uh, if somebody gets healed, it's obvious it was God's will for them to be healed. If they didn't get healed, then that's obvious that it wasn't God's will for them to be healed. Uh, how many realize that a large portion of Christianity, they believe that? They believe like that. That's exactly what they believe. They believe that's the determining factor. But we said to you that if you, if you, if you take that reasoning over into the rest of the areas of Christianity, it poses some real problems. I mean, or do we conclude by the same basis that if somebody dies lost, that it wasn't God's will for them to be saved? But if they die having received Jesus, that it was God's will for them to be saved? Or do we believe the Bible where it says he's not willing that any should perish? I think we should believe the Bible and realize that even though somebody might perish without the Lord, that doesn't prove that it was his will for them to perish. Well, what is the determining factor? Why are some people saved and some people not? Because some people believe and receive the Savior and salvation, and some people don't. Well, why don't we just take the same understanding and apply it to all areas of life? Instead of jumping over into another way of reasoning about it. And instead of emphasize, I mean, if you're going to emphasize the will of God in healing, uh, you should be consistent and emphasize it in all areas. And say, well, the reason why some are lost is because it's not God's will for them to be saved. And the reason why some are saved is because it's God's will for some to be saved. But we don't believe that, do we? How many believe that it's God's will for all to be saved? That the scripture says he is not willing. It is not his will for any to perish. Well, does that mean that everybody's going to be saved? No. Why? Because the determining factor is not God's will. The determining factor is the individual's will and faith. Can you say amen? Why are some healed and some are not healed? Same reason some are saved and some are not saved. The determining factor is the will and the faith of the individual. The determining factor is not God's will, and the determining factor is not God's power. God's will is already established. God's power is more than enough to take care of any situation. The determining factor is not God's will, not God's power. It's the individual's will and faith. That's the determining factor. If you do a study of the healings that occurred in the ministry of Jesus, you'll find that ten different accounts of people being healed in the ministry of Jesus, uh, in, in ten of those accounts, the individual's faith was specifically referred to. Ten different accounts. In time after time, situation after situation, Jesus said, their faith, your faith, according to your faith, your faith has saved you. Your faith has made you whole. He saw their faith. He exhorted them to believe and to keep believing. Faith is the determining factor. Can you say amen? Why are some healed and some are not healed? The biggest determining factor is the faith of the individual. And if you studied the scriptures, I think you'd have to come to that conclusion.
because it's just there on every turn. But having said that, uh, we should be very interested in faith then. Amen. Understanding what faith is and how to operate in it, how to function in it. And so we spent all this week discussing and teaching and thinking about those things. We said to you that faith consists of three major things that you can see. Anybody remember what they were? Number one was hearing. Number two is believing. And number three is doing. Now, you, you shouldn't just equate faith uh, just with believing automatically. Because believing is part of faith, but action is also part of faith. There's more to faith than just believing. Faith is believing and doing. Remember what James said in James 2? Faith without works is dead. So faith is more, more to faith than just believing. Faith also, faith is believing, but faith is also doing and acting. And faith can be expressed in many different ways. We, we talked yesterday from Hebrews 11, and you can just be turning over there with me if you want to. Hebrews 11. We, uh, earlier we, we discussed Hebrews 11, 1. Studied this verse of scripture. Here's the definition of faith. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Uh, we talked about different definitions of some of these words, and we said that you could say it like this without doing any injustice to the scripture at all. You could say, now faith is the confidence of things expected, the conviction of things not seen. And I said, where'd you get that? Looking up words. Amen. If you're, not, if you're not sure of it, just don't take my word for it. Look them up yourself. But uh, you could say it like that. Now faith is the confidence of things expected. Or you could say faith is being confident of what you expect. I like that. I don't know about you, but I like to get things as simple as I can. I like to get them as basic and as simple. That's the way I am. And, you know, if, you, if your intelligence is far beyond mine, well, still, you should be able to get the basic. Is that right? You know, uh, if, uh, if you try to phrase things on a super complex level, then maybe only a few people might get it. But if you phrase things in the simplest way, then uh, everybody ought to be able to get it, in, in, including the super intellectual. Is that right? And uh, it just, I found that some things minister to your head and, and, and interest your head, but a lot of times the most basic, simple things are the things that penetrate your heart the quickest. And uh, faith is of the heart, not the head. Faith is of the heart. The Bible says in Romans 10.10, For with the heart man believeth. Let's say it again. Now faith... Is being confident of what you expect. In other words, you know, uh, you, you, you've heard something, you believe it, and you're expecting something. And he said it is the evidence or it is the proof or conviction of things not seen. And we talked about some of those things. We, we went down through the scriptures here, touching on uh, different of these verses, talking about what faith is, how it is expressed. We zeroed in on verse 11 about how through faith Sarah herself received strength 
to conceive seed. If Sarah could receive strength with her faith, you can receive strength with your faith. Isn't that right? You can receive strength through faith. In verse 13, we notice some principles of faith, how that faith consists of being persuaded and embracing and confessing. And uh, we brought out the fact that these three words are similar to those first three words we mentioned, hearing, believing, and doing. If you hear something, uh, the objective of hearing is to become persuaded. And then once you believe something, you should embrace it. Isn't that right? If you believe it and you've received it, that means you've come to accept it. To embrace means that you enfold your arms around it and you take it to yourself. It's yours. You've claimed it. You possess it. And then confess, of course, is doing something. We made mention of the fact to you that according to Acts, excuse me, James 3, uh, he, he, after he said faith without works is dead, he immediately goes into the third chapter and gives a large portion of that chapter to the subject of the, the words of your mouth. And we said the reason being is because saying or confessing is the main action that you will do to release your faith. Number one action, number one thing you do in uh, expressing your faith is uh, involved in what you say. You're saying. Number one action of faith is your saying. Now, without going into every verse, you could you could go on down through here, looking at every verse, and we had uh, we had you many of you uh, read this eleventh chapter several times, uh, and. Uh, uh, emphasizing different aspects of faith. The Bible talks about Abraham offering up Isaac, Isaac blessing Jacob and Esau, Jacob blessed his sons of Joseph, uh, Joseph made mention of his bones, Moses led the people through all the exploits that they did. By faith they uh, uh, got victory over Jericho. Uh, by faith Rahab didn't perish because she uh, hid the spies. And then it says, uh, he, he said, I couldn't tell you about Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel. If I had time, we could just tell, uh, you know, sounds kind of like Brother Hagin. You know, he said, if I, I could start right now and tell you faith stories all night long. And when the sun came up in the morning, we, we still wouldn't have exhausted all the faith stories Paul is talking about here. Amen. He's talking about accounts in the Bible that, that have to do with faith and believing. He said, verse 33, who through faith they subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in flight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens, women received their dead, raised to life again, etc., etc. He goes about them overcoming all of the torture and bondages and things that they encountered. How did they do all of these things? By faith and through faith. What's the determining factor? Your faith. Are you a world overcomer? How do you do it? This is the victory that overcomes the world. Even your faith. How did people get healed in Jesus' ministry? Again and again, it was said their faith made them whole. Amen. Sarah received strength. It said here in verse 34 again that out of weakness they were made strong. Out of weakness they were made strong. How do you come from weakness to strength? By faith. I said by faith. Amen. You hear what God has told you. You become persuaded of it. You believe it. 
You embrace it in your heart and you confess it and you act on it. Amen? Now, you know, this is written in chapter and verse, and at the end here of the 11th chapter, we have the beginning of the 12th chapter. But you, you need to remember that this was not written originally in chapter and verse. It was just written as a letter. And uh, the, these things just go together. Verse 1 of chapter 12, he's still talking about the same thing. He says, wherefore. Now, what does wherefore mean? See, in other words, because of all of what we just got through saying, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Now what does that mean? He said, will you, all these people that we've talked about, the elders, Enoch, uh, Abel, Abraham, Isaac, Noah, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, all of these people, he said they have done exploits by faith. They have run a good race and finished their course on the earth by faith. Now they've gone on to heaven. And since all of them have set such an example before us, and there's an implication here that perhaps they are beholding our progress from the grandstands of heaven. He says, since that, since that is the case, and we have all these examples of faith, uh, then we are to gird up our loins and make up our mind to walk by faith and to run our race by faith and to run and finish our course. Amen. So that at the end of time, Hebrews 11 won't end with this verse. Are you listening? It'll go on chapter after chapter in the history of the church. And when it comes to 1991, your name will be in there. So-and-so did this by faith. God keeps good records. Amen. I mean, so you, that's what he's saying, isn't it? Seeing, seeing how that all these people were able to walk by faith and please God and do exploits and great things and victorious things by faith, let's get stirred up, in other words. Let's get out there and, and walk by faith and live by faith and do exploits by faith. Amen. Praise God. When I get to heaven, I want Abraham and Moses and Joseph and all of them to look at me and say, Boy, that's all right. That's all right. You did us proud. Amen. Because I claim them as my family. Amen. They're my family. The Bible says Abraham's the father of all those that have faith like him. Amen. Well, fathers ought to follow in the steps of their children ought to follow in the steps of their fathers. Isn't that right? That's the way, that's the way we're going to please the Lord and make all of our elders proud of us. Amen. It's not by having a big name that people know about. It's not by having just, you know, a bunch of things in the natural. It's by faith. By faith. That's what's going to please God, please the Lord, and it'll please all of the patriarchs that have gone before us. Amen. He said, seeing that you got all of them watching you, <laughs> and you got such an example set before you, get with the program and run the race with patience. Patience. Friend, you know, we need to continually remind ourselves that, that this is, this, even though, you know, this is all we've known is this life, yet we need to back up and try to see things from God's perspective. This is a short race. 
You know, uh, most of you that I'm looking at, you're, you know, adults. And, uh, you know, somewhere in, in middle age. And uh, if you live a long life, you probably won't live, you know, uh, you know, 75 years or more or whatever, you know, beyond this. You live a long life. And uh, that's not long. That'll pass by if the Lord tarries his coming, which is a big if. It'll pass by quickly. And your race, next thing you know, the race will be over. It'll be time to go. But see, once you finish your race, your race is going to be analyzed. There's going to be a day in the judgment seat of Christ where the records are going to be pulled. And, and you know, you're, you're, the, the way you ran the race is going to be examined. Not to see whether you get to go to heaven or not. That's already established by your faith in Jesus. You don't go to heaven because of your, the amount of your good works. And you don't go to hell because you don't have enough good works. You go to heaven because of faith in Jesus Christ and what he did for you at Calvary. Amen. And through receiving that by faith, receiving him as your Lord and receiving the justification that's provided for you through that. But uh, our race is going to be examined. The records are going to be pulled. They're going to say more. Keith. Yes, sir. And they're going to pull the book. He was born a certain time. He came to know the Lord this time. Then he did this. Then he did that. Then he did this. Then he did that. Then he did this. Then he did that. Then he did this. Then, he, Of course, we'll have plenty of time, you understand, <laughs> to go over everybody's, you know. <laughs> and uh, all of my works will pass through the fire. And the ones that stay and come out on the other side, I'll get a reward for. The ones that get burned up are gone. Even though I might have put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into it down here, it amounts to nothing. And no reward. Now, what's going to make the difference? Why, why are some works going to abide the fire and others be consumed? Which works are going to be the ones that pass the test? It'll be the ones that were done in faith. Ones that were done in the flesh, it's going to go up in smoke. But the ones that were done by faith and in faith. And of course, when you talk about faith, you have to include the idea of being led by the Spirit. The two go hand in hand. The things that you did in cooperation and in response to the leadings of the Spirit. And the things that you done in faith, did in faith, walking with the Lord, those things will abide the fire and you will be rewarded. But listen to a word that he uses here and he, and he, and he continues with this thought through the next several verses. He says, run this race with what? Patience. Patience. He goes on to say, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. What's, what's Jesus interested in us developing and completing? Our faith. Isn't that right? He's the author and finisher of our what? Our faith. You know, sometimes people accuse this ministry and us of talking too much about faith, but you know, you ought to read the Bible again. If they think that, they ought to read the Bible and underline and circle every time it says faith or believe and see what kind of emphasis the Bible places on it. You can't please God without faith. You can't run the race without faith. 
You can't have victory without faith. He went on to say, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Now, I don't know whether you realize it or not, but this word endure is a similar word to the word patience. See, the word patience means to endure and to persevere. In other words, to keep on keeping on. To stay with it. And uh, uh, the Bible said that he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Now, I, we, we talked about hearing to some degree. And we talked about believing and embracing. But I want to emphasize to you today this, the third uh, word that we've looked at, and that is the doing. We've touched on it and talked about it, but I want to talk some more about it today. The doing. Now, again, the scripture tells us over in James, in fact, let's just, let's go over and look at it. You're close by James, just a couple of pages over and there you are. And in James, the first chapter, let's, let's read a couple of, uh, uh, passages. James 1, verse 2. He says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Now, when you pay, when your faith gets tried, what gets worked? Patience. Let's think about it again. When your faith gets worked, or tried rather, when your faith gets tried, or when pressure gets put on your faith, what gets worked or exercised? Patience. But he says, but, verse 4, let patience have her perfect work. Now perfect means complete. The word perfect literally means complete. Let patience have its complete work. Or we could say it like this. Let it, let the thing run its full course. You could say it like that. Just, just stay with it and let the thing run the full course. That you may be perfect, or that means complete and entire, wanting nothing. Thank God for patience. Now, if you skip on down to the uh, 22nd verse of the same chapter, he says, uh, well, let's read, let's read verse 21 too, because it goes with it. He said, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass or a mirror. For he beholdeth himself, or he looks at himself, and he goes his way, and straightway or immediately forgets what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein. Now that's significant. Continues in it. Now see, this is the same thought as patience and endurance and continuance. He that looks into the perfect law of liberty, or we could say the word of God, and continues therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. 
If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Now, I wonder why it goes to talking about the tongue right here in the middle of this. Because remember, what's the number one way of doing? Saying. Isn't that right? And if you're going to continue in the Word, what should you, you should have a continuity of what you say. But if you don't bridle what you say, and you're not consistent in saying the same thing that the Word said, then he said that, that kind of religion is vain. Got to have some consistency in what you say. A big, a big part of continuing in the Word is continually saying the same thing that the Word says. I said a big part of continuing in the Word is continually saying the same things that the Word says. Now, it goes right into the second chapter there, and later on it begins to talk about the fact that faith without works is dead. It goes on through and repeats the thought in verse 17, faith without works is dead, and also in verse 26, faith without works is dead. He keeps repeating that thought. There's got to be action based on what you believe. It's not enough just to say, I believe. You've got to act on what you believe. I said, it's not enough to just say, I believe, as far as, you know, say within yourself, say, you know, well, I, I believe, and, and I accept that just in your heart. You've got to act on it. Again, what's the number one way of acting? Confessing. Saying. But it's not the only way of acting. He mentioned several different ways that people acted. He said, Noah... Excuse me, not Noah, but Abraham revealed his faith by offering up Isaac. That's an action. He said that Rahab revealed her faith by receiving the spies, protecting them. And he said that those actions revealed their faith and expressed their faith. Your actions reveal your faith. Now, when we talk about uh, the doing, the, this this key word patience comes in. Let me let me mention some scriptures to you that that talk about this. The uh, in Romans two, you don't have to turn here, but in Romans two, you'll find the phrase patient continuance in well doing. Patient continuance in well doing. Now. After he got through talking through a whole uh, chapter, chapter 11 of Hebrews, about faith, verse, excuse me, chapter 12, he immediately began talking about patience and endurance, didn't he? How many see that? How many awake right now? All right. Uh, after he talked about faith for a whole chapter in chapter 11, he got to chapter 12 and he began to talk about what? Patience or endurance. And again, patience means perseverance. Endurance, it, it means stick-to-itiveness. Uh, a continuation and a steadfastness in what you're doing. Now, if you back over to Hebrews, the uh, sixth chapter, I'm sharing some scriptures with you right now, some principles, and then I'm going to give you some illustrations of what we're talking about here in just a moment. But in, but in Hebrews, the sixth chapter... Verse 11, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11. He says, we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope 
Until the end. Now again, what does hope mean? Expect or expectancy. So you could read it like that. Uh, to the full assurance of expectancy unto the end. In other words, uh, expect and keep on expecting all the way to the end of the thing. Verse 12, that you be not slothful, don't be dull and lazy, but be followers or imitators of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Notice it didn't just say through faith, through faith and. Faith and patience they inherited the promises. For when God made promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself saying, Surely blessing I will bless thee and multiplying I will multiply thee. Now, we talked about this earlier, about how that Abraham is a tremendous example of faith. He's called the father of faith. We studied about what happened with him as it's recorded in Romans 4, about how God, you know, gave him the promise and about how Abraham wasn't weak in faith, didn't consider his own body nor Sarah's, but he was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what God had promised he was able also to perform. But how many realize that the fulfillment of the promise did not occur the day or the week or the month after the promise? So Abraham believed God. See, let, let's go back over the principles of faith now. The, the, the first thing that started the whole thing was God said something. God told him. He gave him his word. He told him, your descendants are going to be like the stars in heaven for multitude, like the sand on the seashore. He told him some things. And the Bible said that uh, Abram heard that and he believed that. Amen? He just accepted it. He, he embraced it, you see, like we talked about earlier. He embraced it to himself and he said, I accept that, I believe that, and because he believed it, he expected it to happen. Because he had faith, he had hope. And remember, hope literally means expectation. Now, faith is being confident of what you expect. You see, uh, uh, Abraham was persuaded of what God had told him, so he was confident and expecting them to have a child. But it took more than just faith. It also took what? Patience. Patience. Not only did he have to become persuaded and expect, but here was the real acid test. He had to keep expecting day after day, week after week. In this case, year after year. Now, this is a little bit different from believing for healing. You understand? There were several factors that were being worked out that would not be included in receiving for healing. There would absolutely be no reason why you'd have to stand for years to get your healing. Did you hear me? But you may encounter some problems. And the enemy may resist you. And you're going to have to have the tenacity to stand as long as it takes. Amen. The, there's no reason why that, that months and months and years should pass with, and, and you not receive your healing. So if that happens, something's wrong. But there can be some resistance that you encounter that could delay you and could, could, uh, could you know, try to wear you down. 
Don't you remember what he just got through saying over there in Hebrews 12? He said, lest you become wearied and faint in your minds. Now we need to understand, friend, that one of the, uh, one of the enemy's favorite tactics is wearing people down. I said one of the enemy's favorite tactics is wearing people down. The reason it's one of his favorite tactics is because it has worked so well. Wearing people down. It's not, it doesn't only take faith to get the victory. It takes this companion force that goes with faith. It takes patience. Now again, let's, let's, let's hear the definition of the word patience. Today, when we say patience, many times people just mean a passive waiting. You know, but this word patience, it literally means, as we've said, a perseverance. It means an endurance. If you say, well, have faith and patience, it does not mean to just wait and see if God's going to do anything. That's not patience. That's doubt. You understand? No. Faith says, I'm persuaded of what God's told me. I've prayed or spoken the word over my life. I believe that God has heard my prayer. I believe my words are effective. I'm, I've heard, I'm persuaded, I've embraced, and because of that, I expect. And But now see, here's where patience comes in. How long can you expect? That's where patience comes in. A lot of folk can expect for a day or two days. But can you keep on expecting even though things might temporarily get worse? Or if time drags on and days keep coming and it hadn't happened yet, can you keep on expecting? That's going to make the difference. As to whether you're defeated or victorious. He goes on to say here, here in Hebrews 6, it says that we are to be followers of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Through faith and patience. For when God made promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself saying, Surely blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. After he had what? Patiently endured, he obtained the promise. I made a note in my Bible when I was reading this one day. I just noticed it here. I wrote down there, time tries trust. That's a sentence. Time tries trust. Four people have got it. What am I saying? Let me say it like this. Time tests trust. And you know it does. Just because somebody is expecting you to do something today doesn't mean they'll still be expecting you to do it if four days pass and you haven't done it yet. Now here's the issue. Let's suppose that I told you I am going to do something for you. 
If you believe my words, what will, what will that cause you to do? Cause you to expect me to do it. Isn't that right? But you see, the passage of time could cause you to wonder. To question, you know, I said could, I didn't say it had to, but it's possible that it could cause you to question whether I was going to do it or not. Let's say that, you know, let's say it wasn't something that was just pressing or something that you had to have, you know, but, but it was just something I told you I was going to do for you. And let's say that three months pass. You hadn't seen from me or heard from me. You might be tempted to think, well, Brother Keith either forgot or he just ain't going to do it. Which would be doubting me. Isn't that right? It would be doubting me. Doubting the integrity of my words. Well, how many know God doesn't forget? Can't forget. Won't forget. And doesn't lie. Cannot lie. Does not change. Is that right? If he tells you he's going to do something, you can count on it. Amen. But it may not happen when you think it will. Or even when you would want it to happen. And it may not happen the way you would want it to happen. You gotta remember many times he didn't tell you exactly when and how things had come about. And you know, we need to be careful about setting dates and times on things. Because a lot of times the Lord hadn't got a thing in the world to do with it. That's just what we did. You understand? Friend, the thing we're talking about right now, is the thing that's been the reason why many folk have failed and not received. Even though they heard the word, they believed it, they received, they got in faith, but they didn't stay in faith. See, it's not just the one that starts the race or the one that runs for a few meters. It's the one that crosses the line. Isn't that right? And that's what he said to you there in Hebrews, 13, Hebrews 12. He said, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Remember the story of the tortoise and the hare? Who ran the race? Both of them. Who won the race? The one that put out the most effort? Or the one that was the most persevering and patient? <laughs> Now the rabbit was fast. And he put out a big extreme effort and a burst of speed. But he wasn't consistent. He stopped. Isn't that right? And snoozed. The turtle wasn't fast. The turtle was slow. But the turtle was steady. Isn't that right? And he just kept plugging. He could have got discouraged when he saw that rabbit take off and leave him in a cloud of dust and saw that cotton ball tail disappear out of sight in front of him. He could have thought, what's the use? But he didn't. He just continued. Amen. He ran his race with patience. 
And he won the race. I said he won the race. Sometimes in the Christian life, you may see people just take off with their confessions or claims or this or that. Well, fine and great. But the real acid test is can they keep it up next year and the next year and the next year? Did you hear me? Oh, there's been a lot of folk that were a flash in the pan. You know what I mean by that? They shot up like a skyrocket. They made a big burst and a big show. But in six months, where are they? In a year or two, where are they at? Slipped back into the world. Backslid. Back into their old ways. It's not the extreme effort that's going to make the difference. Though we ought to do the best we know how to do, the real thing that's going to make the difference is that you keep on every day. Every day. Every day. Amen? Amen. Go with me back to the, to Luke the 8th chapter. Luke chapter 8. We talked yesterday about sowing and reaping, how that's a principle of faith, and how that uh, if you want a healing crop, you, you plant healing seed. But here is this parable that we mentioned, and let's read it and note something that applies to what we're talking about just now. Verse 5 of uh, chapter 8 of Luke, Luke 8, 5. It says, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, the fowls of the air devoured it. Some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. Some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. Other fell on good ground and sprang up and bare fruit in hundredfold. When he had said these things, he cried, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And his disciples asked him, they said, What might this parable be? And in verse 11 he said, Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear, then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. Now remember, what do we say the first word in faith is? Hearing. Now, these folk had the word sown on them, but they didn't benefit from it, and it got stolen away from them. And the reason why is because they didn't hear right. You can put the Matthew's account with this, and Matthew said they didn't understand what they heard. If you don't hear right, uh, you, your faith is not going to be successful. You have to hear and understand. Just keep hearing it till you get a hold of it. Verse 13, They on the rock are they which when they hear receive the word with joy. These have no root which for a while believe and in time of temptation fall away. Now did you hear that? They on the rock are they which when they hear receive the word with joy. Now see, they got off to a good start, didn't they? They heard it. They understood it. They believed it and they received it with joy. And it said, though, they have no root. That they weren't really rooted and grounded in what they're believing. And so they just believe for a while. For a while. What if you just believe for a while and quit? How much results you get? Same result as if you hadn't believed. 
Did you hear me? I mean, in the final analysis, in the long run. If you're trying to believe, I mean, if you're believing God for something and you start on it and then you quit, well, you won't, I mean, you don't get any more results than if you hadn't even started. It's not just hearing and believing and laying hold of it. You've got to lay hold of it and keep it. Isn't that right? And stay with it. You've got to make up your mind you believe this and you're going to believe it tomorrow and you're going to believe it next week and you're going to believe it next month. Amen? And next year? I've had people ask me before, well, Brother Keith, how long do you stand? Well, you, you have to back up to this. What do we, when we say stand, what do we mean? Stand means you have taken a stand on the Word of God. You have come to accept something that God said. Well, when should you get off of that? When should you turn loose and, 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 and disembrace that? When is it going to change? Never. So when, how long do you stand? Forever. Amen. See, somebody said, yeah, but I mean, I'm, I'm talking about a sickness or disease that might be attacking you. I am too. Just because the symptoms go don't mean you quit believing and get off the Word. Is that right? You take a stand on something that you believe and it, I mean, the Word's going to be there forever. It never changes. And so if you change positions, you're going to have to get off. If you don't get off, that means you're on from now on. You see what I'm talking about? The Word never changes. So your stance should not change. Your position should not change. Your confession should not change. Because the Word does not change. But he said that, you know, because you realize that he mentions four different types of ground here. And these four different types of ground are representative of four different categories of people. And how the word is sown in their lives. And three of these categories didn't receive any results. There are answers here why some people have not received results. This is one reason why many have not received results. It's because though they believed and received, yet they only stayed with it for a little while and then they quit. Now that has happened many times with many people. So these have no root, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation, they fall away. In time of temptation, when the sun bore down on it, when it got hot, when there was pressure, when the time drug on, or the symptoms got worse, or the contradictions increased, they got tired, they got weary, they got disillusioned, and they quit. They quit. And therefore, they did not bring any fruit. Verse 14 says, That which fell among the thorns are they, which when they have heard, go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. That's another area we could talk about. But verse 15 says, That on the good ground are they, which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it. Did you notice that? Having heard the word, what do they do? Keep it. Again, having heard the word, what do they do? Keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. 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 I mean, you can see a big key here as to why this was good ground and the other wasn't. Patience. 
Patience. Patience. It's not enough just to hear something and be persuaded of it and believe it and claim it and receive it and confess it. That's great and that's good, but once you've done that, you need to what? Keep it. Stay with it. Don't ever change. Don't back off of it. No matter if it looks better or it looks worse. No matter what, you stay with it. And see, the better rooted you are in something, the more easy it will be for you to stay. You know, quite a few people have tried to believe for something and they really went off half-cocked about it. They heard a half of a message somebody said and got inspired and grabbed it and said, I believe I receive and took off with joy for a little while. But then when the pressures were there, when things didn't change overnight, when they had a bunch of questions and they couldn't figure out what was going on, they were offended at the whole thing and gave up and said, well, that's just does not for everybody. It just doesn't work or for everybody. or And that's where a lot of the doctrines uh, formulated that are against the faith message and against receiving from God. It's just simply people that quit. I said, just simply people that quit. I, I tell a story sometimes, and, and uh, I kind of hesitate to tell it because it has to do with material things, and sometimes people don't like for you to talk about those things. But, but it, it, it's, it's the situation, I can, I can talk more about what I've learned personally than I can what you've learned. And in this area, I learned something about patience that has stuck with me indelibly, and I don't think I'll ever forget it. I'll share it with you briefly, and then I'll talk with you an instance in the area of healing where you'll see patients. Uh, my wife and I just, you know, this has been several years ago. Uh, before we ever came to Bible school and, and what have you, this has been several years ago. We first began to learn about faith and believe in God. Heard some tapes and some teaching by some folk and read some books and got stirred up about it and thought, praise God, this is it. And I'm more excited about it now than ever. Amen. Has not waned, but has increased. But you know, as usual, you know, when folk get a hold of something and babes, they, they have a lot more zeal than they have knowledge and wisdom. And boy, we got a hold of Mark eleven twenty four. Believe you receive them, and you shall have them. Amen. And we thought, well, glory to God, that's the answer to everything. And uh, it is, in a sense. But, you know, we, we had very little understanding. But we, we needed some things. We had several bills we needed to catch up. And we needed to pay some things off. And we needed a vehicle. And we needed some clothes. And we needed, I mean, you, we needed most everything. And, uh, and so we said, well, well, we'll exercise our faith. We'll ask for these things, according to Mark 11, 24. And we'll believe that we receive them. And uh, among other things, we, we said, we'll ask for a car. So we, uh, we, we did. And we said, well, we'll, I tell you, you know, we got to talking about it one day and we said, well, you know, hey, God's a big God. While we're asking, we might as well just ask for a good one. While we're asking, we might, I mean, it's nothing too hard for God. We might as well just ask for a brand new one. And while we're asking for a new one, 
we might as well just ask for a top-of-the-line model. Y'all laughing at me, but y'all have done some of the same things. And uh, so I said, well, let's don't just dash into this. Let's think about it for a few weeks, and then we'll pray the prayer of agreement on it. Come into agreement and get in faith about it. So we did, we thought about it. Of course, now, again, remember, this is many years ago, okay? Several, many, many years ago, you know. Not that many, but it, it's several years ago. And, uh, and so we said, we'll, we'll, we'll pray the prayer of faith and agreement on it. So, uh, at the end of the days, we, we came together. Yeah, this, we, we agree on this. We've decided this is good. We decided we wanted a, a brand new Buick Riviera, which is, you know, fairly expensive car, especially for us. At that point, very expensive for us. And so we, 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 we claimed our bills paid. We, we, we asked for clothes. We asked for this and we asked for that and asked for this brand new Buick Riviera. We believe we receive. And then I did something that I had no business doing. I set a date. I said, and we believe we receive all of this by such and such a date, which was about a month away. I figured, that's, ah, that's enough time, you know. <laughs> so we we prayed the prayer, we believed, and, and we went on about our business. Well, the days passed, and we were expectant. We were expectant. And days passed, days passed. We were very expectant. Finally, it got down to... Uh, 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 the last day. And boy, I, I remember that day distinctly. I was very expectant. All day long, I was expecting something to happen to answer these prayers. I mean, every time the phone rang at the, my place of business, I thought, ah, that, maybe that's it. But it wasn't it. Every time, you know, when the mail came, I said, oh, maybe something in the mail. Wasn't it. Every time the phone rang all afternoon, ah, maybe that's it. Wasn't it. I was expecting well, we got uh, home after work, and it's, you know, it's later in the day, but we thought, hey, the day's not over yet. So we kept expecting. Got 11 o'clock, kept expecting. 11.45, kept expecting. 11.55. We thought, boy, God's got to move quick, or, <laughs> you know. But sometimes, you know, things will go down to the wire, so we just, hold on, hold on, hold on, keep expecting. 12.05. 1250. And we, we, our feathers fell. And we thought, well, didn't, really didn't want to talk much about it. Just, just kind of, you know, let it go and, you know, something's wrong. But I thank God that we had enough sense to realize and not get mad at God and aggravated at God and put off about it. Just realize that we missed it somewhere. I've talked with several people who didn't have that much sense. They'd rather get mad at God than to come to the realization that maybe I did something wrong and missed it. Friend, God doesn't miss it. God doesn't fail. So, uh, you know, we, we, we had that much sense. Well, to make a long story short, you know, days passed, months passed, years passed, and the Lord did help us some things Turned around, we, we finally got some things taken care of. We got a little bit nicer car and, you know, things began to, 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 to go. And, but we finally came out here to school and 
I began to learn a lot more things that helped me in my faith walk and thank God. And, and I was praying one day. And as I was praying, I got to thinking about that situation and what happened with that. I still had questions. You know, sometimes when something happens, your emotions are so stirred about it, it's hard for God to talk to you about it. Sometimes you kind of have to get away from it a little bit before God can talk to you. And sometimes you have to grow a little bit too before he can explain some things to you. And uh, I was there praying. And, and, and I asked the Lord this. I said, now Lord, I said, uh, I realize that I don't know that much about faith. But I said, Lord, what little I do know about faith, I thought we were in faith. I really thought we were in faith. Because, you know, we were, we were so expectant the whole time, especially that day. We were so expectant. Now, Lord, if that's not faith, I just don't even know what faith is and you need to teach me. And, and just like that, the Lord began to speak to my heart. I don't mean I heard a voice, but He began to speak to my heart very specifically. I knew it was Him, knew what He said. He, and of course, the Lord talked to, talks to you the way you understand. I've heard sometimes people say, well, the Lord spoke this to me. And other people say, oh, I can't believe that's the Lord. Hey, the Lord talks to you the way you understand. You know? And uh, and the Lord began to speak to my heart. He said, well, yes, son, you, you, you were believing. The both of you were believing. And you were doing good for where you were at. In other words, for what you knew, where you were at, you were doing good. You were believing good. And I thought, well, if we were... <laughs> Wine and some things happen. He said you were doing fine until 12.05. Or 12.01, I think it was, he said. And he spoke to my heart, why did you let a little mechanism with springs and hands click a couple of times and you decided my word wasn't true? And I began to realize, see, that date setting stuff was completely my idea. He didn't have anything to do with it. And it was also my defeat. Because when the time came and it passed, then I quit believing. And he said, and besides that, when you're young, like when you, of course, where we were at, you see, and when you ask, he said, and when you ask big, you need to be ready to stand long. The bigger you ask, you, you better be ready to stand longer. <laughs> Now, we're talking particularly about material things here. You understand? And so, boy, I saw it. And I realized that what I had done, we, 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 had, we had been believing, but then we quit. And I went to kicking myself. And I thought, well, dummy, dummy, dummy. If you'd have just stayed with it, you know. If you'd have just hung in there. And about that time, the Lord spoke to me again and said, it's not too late. I thought, well, sure it is. I mean, you know, that was a long time ago. He said, it's not too late. He said, go back and pick it up. Now, just like that, I knew in my heart what he's talking about. He meant, go back. You remember how that you were in faith that day? Yeah, go back and get back in that position. And this time, don't set a date. This time, just keep expecting. Amen. So I said, I got it. I got it. I got it. I went and told my wife. I said, you remember? Oh, yeah. Never forget it. Uh, I said, well, this is what the Lord told me. And she got it and she understood. I said, let's start expecting again. And this time we're not going to quit. So we picked it up. And a year passed. And two years passed. 
and three years passed. And you wouldn't think of it every day. You wouldn't even necessarily think of it every week. But when you thought of it, you said, thank God. I'm still expecting. Amen. One day she came in from work. She said, guess what? I said, what? She said, somebody called a certain individual's name, told me that whatever kind of car we wanted, they would buy it. New car. I said, any kind of car? Yeah. Any kind of car. They gonna buy it. Yeah, they gonna buy it. And so we went and looked around, and guess which one we decided we wanted? <laughs> Buick Riviera. And that's what we got. And we're driving it right now. It's been a blessing to us for several years now. But it didn't happen overnight. But do you see what I'm talking about? The lesson I learned was what? The lesson of patience. Perseverance. Brother Hagen, I was thinking about this. You know, he, when, when he got healed, he was healed in a very spectacular way, miraculous way. I mean, uh, the power of God came down on him in his, in his bedroom and went through him and, and the paralysis left him. And a lot of times people, that's, that's all they know about the story. But that wasn't, that, that wasn't just the end of it. He had several challenges after that point. He was healed. And, and, and he, he, had, he could walk and go. And, and the first thing he started doing is going, he went and started going back to school. So he was 16 years old. And he'd missed a lot of school. And uh, it was a challenge for him. I've heard him testify and tell about uh, how, how hard it was for him. Because he was about the same height he is now. But he weighed, I forget what it was, uh, uh, less than 90 pounds, I think. Just skin and bone. Because he'd just been paralyzed and on bed fast for so many months, you see. And he said, he, he said though he was healed, he was weak. And he, he, he would walk to school. And then they, they had, uh, the school was on different floors. And they'd have to go from one floor to another and climb stairs. And he said, he said a lot of times he was just, just tempted to just quit, you know. But he had to persevere. And he said the, the principal and the teachers thought they were making it easy for him, but they called him in one time and told him because they knew he looked, I mean, he looked terrible, you see. And several of them thought, well, you know, even though he did get up, he, he's not going to make it, you know, he'll, he'll still die here. In fact, one of the doctors told the teacher he'd just liable to fall dead right in the classroom, which scared them. <laughs> they didn't want that happening. And, and uh, he said the principal and different ones told him, you know, son, if you, you, you know, we're so glad that you got out of bed and, and things are going, but you know, we don't want you to push yourself too much. Uh, if you, if you just don't feel good one day and don't feel like coming to school, that's fine. Just don't come. You won't have to make up anything for it. You know, if you get here and in the middle of the day, you just decide you, you're weak and want to go home, then just get up and leave. You, you don't have to explain anything. We're going to give you permission to do that. If you, if you get in the middle of a class, you, you feel faint, want a drink of water or something, just get up, go out and get your drink of water. Be fine and he said he said they thought they were helping me but they made it real easy for me to lose my healing you see this is something that a lot of folk haven't haven't gotten hold of much the bible says fight the good fight of faith 
And, and it's not just a matter of just coming in the healing line and getting prayed for at one time. It's not just a matter of somebody agreeing with you or even the power of God flowing through you like it did him. You know, he had a supernatural experience, but that's not the end. Tomorrow's a new day. And you can quit any point along the way. You can get tired. You can start giving in to things. You can start using your weakness or, or the sickness for your advantage and giving in to it. And that's one of the biggest reasons why a lot of people don't make it. Is because they don't have that fight. A lot of times when you'd rather be, when you'd rather just give in to it, you can't. You gotta get up. You gotta go on. You understand what I'm saying? There were days he didn't feel like getting out of bed, but he had to. Now see, with some folk, it's not a matter of, you know, uh, when, when we say have to, well, you wouldn't have to, but when it boils right down to it, if you start yielding, it's a good way to wind up dead. A lot of times the decisions you make on those day-to-day things, it sets up a pattern of life, and it can be the difference between living and dying. you got to make up your mind. Yielding to something. Uh, just giving place to it and letting it happen and skipping this and, and losing this responsibility and, and letting somebody else do this and do that when you don't have to. These things can be a way of yielding and giving in. And it's not just, just faith, but it's faith and patience, perseverance every day. When you wake up in the morning, you gotta make up your mind, I will not die, I will live. I am not the sick, I am the healed. And as much as you are able to, you live like that. You act like that. We said to you that that faith consists of hearing and believing in what? Doing. Faith is not just only something you say, that's the number one action, but faith is also how you live and how you act and how you do. I've watched it before. Because this is, you know, something that takes up a big part of my life is the healing school. I've tried to learn and watch people that have made it. I'm I'm thinking of one individual right now who was attacked with cancer, the worst kind, repeatedly. They should have been dead years ago, but they're alive. They were recently attacked with a situation, and they've overcome that. And I was thinking about it. They're they're an older person now. I was thinking about it, and and I was talking with them, and, and it just stood out to me so clear. They got a fighting spirit. Somebody came along with a wheelchair and said, well, no, you know, here you can get in this. And they looked at it and they said, no. They were hurting and they felt bad. I knew they did. But they wasn't taking that step. Now, do you understand what I'm talking about? Now, now see, uh, sometimes, you know, you don't just take that and make that a hard and fast rule. That doesn't mean that it, that it could never be all right for somebody to use a chair. But, but the thing is, to them, that was uh, given place. So they endured and they pushed and believed and expected. It's, it, it, it boils down to a lot of practical things in life. The faith walk. It's not just, you know, it's not just what happens in the service. You're not in service all the time. Are you? You're not even in services most of your time. You're doing regular things in life. And decisions that you're making here and there are either acts of faith or they're acts of doubt. Decisions that you make are decisions of faith or decisions of doubt. You have to be careful about giving in. Now you take care of yourself when you need to. 
And, and you, you follow the leading of the Spirit. And sometimes you've got to give yourself a little extra rest and, to recuperate and what have you. But there's also a time when to, to, to give in to it is to, is to not operate in faith. Oftentimes to do the easy thing is to do the doubt thing. Are you with me? Brother Hagin said there was many a day when he didn't feel like getting up and going to school. Just, you know, just skin and bones. Weak. And he'd finally make it there and make it through a class and the bell would ring. Now he's got to gather up his books and climb stairs to the next one. And these voices had come to him. If you don't want to, you don't have to. You can just go home if you want to. And he was tempted. But he said they made it easy for me to lose my healing. You see, you start giving in to it, and you give in to this, and you give in to that, and you give in to this. Next thing you know, the thing will have a stronger hold and grip on you. The Bible said the just shall live by faith. It also said the just shall walk by faith. Every day is a walk. Isn't that right? Every step that you have to take needs to be a step of faith, a step of expectancy. You deal with things that you have to. And, and if somebody, if you need somebody to help you with something, you let them help you. But when you can do it yourself, you do it. You understand? And when you can start taking back territory, you start taking it back. You believe God and you expect God for the strength and the healing and you start taking it back. You don't keep letting the devil take place. You start taking it back. You may not take it all back in one day or one week, but you take some back steadily. You keep taking it back until you are doing everything that a perfectly healthy, normal, strong individual can do. May not happen overnight or even in a week, but you've got to have your face that way. And you've got to have your face set like flint towards it. You've got to be patient and know that some things take a little time, but patient means perseverant. Enduring. I'm here for the duration. I've got my eye on the gold. God's heard my prayer. I'm speaking words of faith over myself. The word of God says it's mine. And I'm on my way. Amen. I'm on my way. Faith consists of hearing and believing and doing. 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 Don't just believe for a little while. And get tired. And get weary. And give in and quit. It can happen to anybody. Don't let it happen to you. Stir up yourself and keep your, keep your faith fed good. Anytime you get to feeling a little discouraged, get out your Bible and feed your faith. Amen? Go to church and hear a good message. Understand what I'm saying? Keep yourself fed good. You get to feel a little down, a little discouraged. Realize that that's how people start getting weary. And next thing you know, they faint and quit and give up. Don't let it happen to you. Don't let it happen to you in healing. Don't let it happen to you with your finances or relationships or believe in God for anything. Through faith and patience, they inherit the promises. Faith and patience. Faith and patience. Can you say amen? This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, 
visit our website at morelife.org.